When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ultra Hope Girls podcast. Today is a special day because this is actually the final episode of season one for our podcast. We are going to be wrapping up our season about Trigger Happy Havoc. We're going to be moving on to the other games in the Danganronpa series and the other content that this amazing franchise has to offer us. So stay tuned for that. But today we're going to be doing a season wrap-up episode. So we are going to be talking about some of our favorite moments from the podcast, some things that have changed over the course of our creating this over the last couple of months. And we're also going to take some time to answer some fan questions from all of you. Just a heads up that this episode will spoil the entirety of Danganronpa Trigger Happy Havoc. So get excited because this is going to be a fun episode and we cannot wait to dive in. I'm Maddie. I'm Marin. I'm Caroline. And we're the Ultra Hope Girls. One. Two. Welcome to the Danganronpa Podcast. You're on the threshold of an amazing episode. Showtime. Ooh, this is weird. I'm sad. I know. I mean, yeah, I'm excited. Is... <laughs> I'm sad. Yeah, like I'm excited for what's coming now that we're done with this game. You know yeah, what I that's... mean? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like let's just take a sec and like reflect on these last couple months, like, and how this all came about, which literally was us being like, we should start a podcast about Danganronpa, and then it <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Wild. I mean, the literally. difference, I think, between now and then is kind of immense. Yeah. And just, like, the support we've gotten from from all of our listeners is pretty pretty great. So thank you guys for listening yes. and keeping, keeping in touch. It's been truly, absolutely truly. amazing. Yeah, we could yeah. not do this without you. So thank you. First off, let's start there. Thank you, yeah. guys. Otherwise, thank it would just be you. us three talking into the void. I guess with <laughs> each other about Dong and Rampa. But then it'd just be like us talking to each other about things that we already know about <laughs> each other, with each other, whatever. <laughs> so the audience is kind of the most important part of any podcast. So yeah, shout out to all of you listeners. Absolutely. And thank you guys uh, for all of you who submitted questions throughout the season. We are going to tackle those today. But first, I think we just want to give our opinions of like what's changed, things like that. They've moments like Caroline said. So let's get going. I think so. Let's start off first with what our favorite moment has been with a voice actor. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's so many. Again. Yeah. I know. It's been a kind of a star-studded lineup. It's been a great season with the VAs. Yeah. 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 And if any first. of them are listening, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it. And we know that our listeners do too. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. We cannot, we cannot thank those voice actors enough for their time. It was seriously amazing. I remember the Honestly, this isn't my favorite moment from an interview, but it's one of my favorite moments that relates to an interview. A couple months ago, 
when we got our very first yes from a voice actor to say that they were going to come on and interview with us, it was Jason Wishnov, the voice of Byakuya. And this, I mean, at this point, we thought this was such a long shot. We had reached out to these voice actors and we were like, I don't know if any of them are going to respond. Like, we might as well try it. Like, let's see what happens. And then we got a yes from Jason Wishnov, the voice of Byakuya, our literal, like, favorite (laughs) character. And we lost it oh my god we were so excited it was yeah. it was like unbelievable <laughs> it but, was like 11 um, 30 p.m and i facetimed yeah. them i was like guys it can't <laughs> wait <laughs> we need to know yeah. and i screamed so loud that my parents re- thought that something was seriously wrong <laughs> it was so funny but yeah i mean i can i'll just say mine mine is kind of easy my <laughs> Don't get me wrong, every person we've had on, there's been a moment I could talk about, but I think just that the first time that Jason Wishnov said, like, I'm Byakuya Tagami, and I was trembling because you guys couldn't <laughs> see, you know, because you're listening to it, but we could see him on Zoom, and he was like, he did, like, the glasses push-up thing, and I was like, oh my god, like, it was so <laughs> magical. Yeah, that For- was amazing oh my god he was such a good person to interview first like so awesome and just yeah generally cool cool dude um for me i think my favorite moment with the va was just finding my personality twin um with sean chiplock (laughs) it was just incredible what a moment of connection (laughs) but yeah he was was great real gem yeah and i have to say um be changed to see was a pretty (laughs) iconic moment Um, (laughs) I will never forget that. Definitely. Also, shout out to Amanda Celine. I just got to give her a shout out because she's my doppelganger too, and I love her so much. Yes, queen. Up next, let's talk about, so we have interviewed quite a few VAs. Some of these VAs our listeners don't even know about yet, so hopefully you will stay excited, stay listening, and um, we'll release those ASAP. Yes, indeed. um, (laughs) Which voice actors would you guys love to talk to most? All of them. Okay, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Every voice actor that's ever acted in anything, right. ever. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, go ahead, Maddie, go ahead. Well, I mean, Kyoko is my girl. Like, I would love to talk to Kyoko, but also the voice actress who voice acts for Kyoko, not just Kyoko. <laughs> but, I mean, would it be terrible if I just said all of them? <laughs> <laughs> True. I think for me in particular, I would really love to talk to um, Cassandra Lee Morris. She's Hina. And I just feel like she's a really cool person and like very active on like Twitter with all of her fans. And she seems like she'd be really fun to to get to know. I have two answers because I couldn't pick one. Well, one, hopefully, fingers crossed, I would love to talk to Lucian Dodge, like with all of my soul. Like, oh oh my God. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Like just Hifumi. That would be so fun to talk to the actor who played Ifumi. And then I really also want to talk to Erin Fitzgerald, who voices Genocide Jack. I yes. would love to chat with her about just like, God, she is did such a great job with that kooky character. And I, I admire her performance a lot. So. Yeah. We got to get like the Genocide Jack laugh on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> Also, Grant George is the voice of Leon. Yeah. Oh my God. I would love to talk to Leon and some, I will say, I'm not spoiling anything. Some voice actors do come back in future games to play different characters. And um, 
there are a lot of characters that some voice actors who are in Trigger Happy Havoc also play in the future who are just amazing and oh my gosh I just want to talk to all of them what has been our favorite moment in recording this season I actually have mine um (laughs) so it happened when we were recording in the interview with Jason um we were so nervous like it was we were like dying (laughs) of nervousness because it was our first VA interview and like he was just so awesome and like our favorite character and so at the very beginning I had such like high anxiety um if you know me at all you can totally hear it in my voice my voice is like an octave higher and I said we're just gonna have a chill conversation with Jason (laughs) and it's become a running joke between the three of us but that has by far been my favorite moment it was just like Yes, that has been that has been a, a great moment. That is really classic. Thank you. So my favorite moment happened off the podcast record, so it was not published, but I did make a comment for I won't give even give you context. I think it's funnier without it. And I said something like, I have seen more than one person throw up in the Chuck E. Cheese too. <laughs> I think without context it's even better. Yeah. Which is a fact, so yeah. Listeners, try and figure out what she meant. <laughs> How does that relate to Tong and <laughs> <laughs> <Connect the> dots. <laughs> I really, I don't remember when this was. Oh, I think, it, I think it was in chapter five, but we had a pretty extensive discussion about Mondo becoming Mondo Butter and not <laughs> like going into, like in the morgue, like what would they have seen if they had opened his door would it just been of like would it have just been like a slab of butter would it have just been like his coat butter (laughs) on it would it have like we don't know we just do not know um that was an interesting moment also i really loved the wilderness survival advice that we gave from marin Um, yeah yes thank you you're welcome no problem um (laughs) that our discussion our heated discussion about what to do when faced with a bear in the wild that was a that was a good one too okay so our next question is, what has changed? Like, how have things changed between recording and stuff like that between the three of us? We've gotten better at not <laughs> talking over each other. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. We have a hand system. We raise our hand on Zoom. <laughs> we didn't do that the first time. We came up with that, like, after our very first recording, and it works really well. So. Maddie, you're ruining the magic. <laughs> oh no I'm sorry I shouldn't be giving away trade secrets I'm really sorry <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> I mean I, I have an answer um I was gonna say like I think that well one like logistically I think we have gotten a lot better at interviewing people like the first um time like I would love to have Jason back on because I think he would have a whole different experience than he did <laughs> the first time because the first time was just mostly us being like oh man we're terrified the and then time- like was just like a chill conversation with Jason. Yeah, that, that chill <laughs> conversation with Jason. But I think that has changed. I also think like this is getting a little, like a little bit like outside of the podcast for a second. But like, you know, I'm a I'm a theater major in college, and right now like theater is not happening. That you know because of COVID and stuff. And the podcast has kind of opened up my mind to other opportunities that aren't the traditional like musical theater path you know I I know that I'm able to do different things and I have a variety of skills and I love I love that and yeah 
I think for me, I have learned a lot more about the anime community in general. And like specifically, I'm going to give a shout out to our patrons because we talk in there all the time and recommend like video games, anime, stuff like that for each other. And I just feel like I've learned a lot more and I have a much bigger respect for people who create art for the, or not even just the Danganronpa community, but the anime community as a whole. And just, it it's a whole new world, you know? LOL, Aladdin. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for real, like I, I've really gained an appreciation for how many people put their time and their love into these communities. And yeah, it's really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. And then what have we changed our opinions on um, since the start of the, <laughs> the season? That's a very, very good question. I have a handful of things. Yeah, go for it. One, number one, actually top of my list, my opinion of Hero has changed so drastically over this like second playthrough and analysis. Hero is actually great. Like what? I actually love him as a character. He's so good. He's so funny. And I just, wow, like a complete 180 in my opinion of him. And I will also say that like in the past we had joked about like how he like, oh, he's not the smartest one around or like, oh, but I completely disagree with that now. I completely disagree. I think he's actually so smart. Like he is super smart. And I, I mean, obviously there's the whole thing about him being like held back in school, but then from his free time events, we learned that like, it's not because of his grades or anything like that. It's literally because of his like family situation or whatever, like things beyond his control. And like, there are certain things that he says that are like, oh, okay. He's got a brain in there. Like he actually- He's and, got a brain in there. Yes. <laughs> no, but every single time he whips out like a new skill, like fixing the TV and like, dismantling the robot like just all those things I actually think he's like really cool okay you guys are gonna oh my god you're gonna hate me for this but I feel like I don't I didn't love Byakuya as much the second time around like I <laughs> sorry wow I just almost was like hmm because I really loved like, I, I just thought he was, like, oh, this just alluring, mysterious, attractive character, which I, I still do think that about him. But I also feel like we talked a little bit about this before, but how he was set up to be kind of an antagonist in the beginning, and then he flips at the end to being, like, good, right? And I liked that a lot. But then the second time around, I kept thinking to myself how interesting it would be if Byakuya were a genuine antagonist. Like, and just never had, like, a redemption arc. And I don't know if that would make it, like, better. Like, I feel like that's just me, like, throwing things around in my mind and being like, that'd be interesting. Like, I just w would like to know what that would be like. I, I just, I, I don't love him as much the second time around. Like, it stood out to me even more, like, how mean he was at times. And, like, I just, it was harder for me to respect him at times. And it, it was just, like different it was really different I still love him but you know I didn't put him on my S tier when we did the tier list and I, oh, I, I, I recall that for a reason yeah <laughs> <laughs> just for context listeners um Mary Caroline were glaring at me that whole time <laughs> like how dare you betray us <laughs> oh my god I I'm sorry I still love him I really love him as a character but he is an A tier character for me he's not an S tier character like, he might have been the very first time I played this game. You so. know, it's okay to be wrong. Yeah, like, not everyone can be right. 
I'm just kidding. That's so terrible. You were valid. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. I just, like, I... I feel like he doesn't, on the second playthrough, maybe this is hindsight bias, but he doesn't have as much depth as I originally thought he did. I don't know. Like, Marin really is shaking her head right now. <laughs> All right. Um, I will go next. I, um, so... I had sort of the opposite experience as Maddie with Fiakia because <laughs> when I rolled in here, you know, Maddie and Marin, when they were playing through it the first time, they were texting me and being like, oh my God, I love Fiakia. He's so hot. And I was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? And then now I really understand. And I feel like now I, debatably, Mar- between Marin and I, I, I'm I'm at the level of of obsession now. I, I love him very much. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I just think he I I personally love the antagonist that has a redemption arc. That is a trope in media that I really like, and I know that's not everyone's thing. You know, you're valid, and I understand your opinion. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I also think that for me, I I liked the fifth case a lot more going back and playing it. I, I didn't, like, I, and I know that that case is not well-liked by the general, pu- the general public, but, <laughs> like, I, I think that they, that as we unpacked Fenrir and as we sort of unpacked, like, the components of that case, I was like, oh, this is really good. I even like it more than case six, because case six is just, like, I'm the mastermind, and that's it. You know, so, or that's not it, but (laughs) like, yeah, I don't know. Um, The last thing I wanted to touch on is I am not a Kyoko fan. That has changed. I don't dislike her. I don't like hate her. I respect her, but I think that the things that I thought I liked about her, I I didn't like as much this time. Yeah. It's okay. It's it's fine. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. For me, um, I actually had pretty similar reactions to both of you, except Biakia. I loved him the first time. I loved him the second time. I, he's, yep, <laughs> always will have a place in my heart. Hiro, Chihiro, and Taka all very strongly improved in my book. I didn't really like Taka the first time around. I don't know why, um, but I think after analyzing a lot of the chapters, the stuff that I said about a lot of the characters in the game, I could hear him saying. And so I think I just kind of found a newfound appreciation of him. I don't know if that's yeah. redundant. Found a newfound. Yeah, he's just, I don't know. I get it. I, I do get the Taka hype. Um, and then Shahiro, the first time through, I didn't really love him. I thought he was kind of boring. But when we like learned more about his past, like I didn't really get that the first time through and I didn't get his struggles as much and so absolutely loved him and then what Maddie said about Hero and then actually I wrote down the same thing about Kyoko that I actually liked her a little bit less the second time through again like Caroline said I don't dislike her by any means I think she's cool and I think that the character who does the autopsies is awesome in every game (laughs) but like I don't know I just found her a lot harder to digest the second time like she was very much I'm right I don't trust anyone but you all need to trust me (laughs) (laughs) it's fine it's whatever it's I'm not I'm not upset about it at all (laughs) um no but I hear you also yes I'm on board with the the Taka train I love I love a lot more the second time around yeah for sure and hero yeah I forgot yeah yeah. I forgot to mention 
you guys might be surprised by this. A character that I like a lot less now is Leon. Believe it or not. Um, And his free time events drastically changed my opinion of him. I like, he, because I loved him so much for so long, like in a way he still holds like a special spot in my heart. I don't hate him. I have not, you know, demoted him, whatever. But like, it changed how I saw him because his free time events, you basically learn that he doesn't actually want to be a musician. He was trying to do that in order to impress a girl who liked musicians. And, um, and then he starts to like, he talks about like, oh, what do you think? Like, there's this other girl I think is cute. Do you think she likes actors? Maybe I should become an actor. And then he like starts going off on this tangent and like, weird. You're like, wait, Leon, what? Like, I thought you were this like complex, like dynamic character who doesn't actually want to be a baseball star. He like has the love of music in his heart and he's a rebel. And it pretty much turns out it was just for a girl and I think he's someone who struggles finding his own identity beyond what he thinks girls like and um I don't love that you know yeah that's super interesting I actually didn't know that about his free time events so wow we keep learning things to the last episode we do (laughs) (laughs) all right so now what we're going to do is move into the questions that you guys have sent us over the season um so thank you for doing that and you can find links to people's aminos and things like that in the description of the episode we will include those so that you guys get credit and that people can check out your pages and things All right, so up first, we have a question from Lucy. Lucy sent in an email to us through our website. Um, Thank you for doing that. And Lucy asks, will we ever do Goodbye Despair or V3 episodes? The answer is yes. yeah, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! Our next season, which is coming out next week, starts Goodbye Despair. So get excited for that. We are super excited to jump into this game. I think it's the favorite game for a lot of people in the series. Um, Our second question is from Amino. It is from a user named Broken Shadows. And they asked, how would DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, affect Patronuses and Houses? Um, So this, of course, refers to our Hogwarts episode where we gave all of the characters houses and Patronuses. I think Maddie should maybe take this one. I do have some thoughts on it, if you'd like me to go ahead. I think this is such an interesting question, by the way. Thank you for sending that in. I love it. Um, Personally, I don't think that she would be, I don't think, I don't know if it would affect her Hogwarts house, like Toko slash Genocide Jack. I think she'd still be a Ravenclaw because A, it's like harder to sort into two separate houses, someone who, like two people who are in the same person, I guess, like you know, she has to kind of have a home base somewhere where, you know, she needs to be sorted into one place, I feel like. And, um, you know, I feel like Ravenclaw is the right place for her, even though she does have <laughs> the serial killer alternate personality. Um, who, you know, Genocide Jack could still be Ravenclaw. Who knows? I kind of don't know if she would fit in anywhere else. Yes, Caroline? Could you imagine if she did was in two separate houses, and so oh whenever she was genocide, actually go, "Oh, I have to go to herbology now. See ya, Ravenclaw!" and like run over to like <laughs> that'd be really stupid. Okay, that's that all. would be very complicated. But yeah. I do think it would affect her Patronus. I do think it'd be really cool if she had like a different Patronus depending on when she was genocide Jack and when she was Toko. And I can't remember what Patronus we decided on for Toko. 
I think it was but a rabbit, right? A rabbit. I, yeah, that I think was Caroline's. I think we said we liked that. But for Genocide Jack, my personal headcanon now, after pondering this for a little while, is that Genocide Jack's Patronus would be a mosquito because <gasps> the mosquito is the deadliest animal on the planet. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and mosquitoes <laughs> are annoying. <laughs> I feel like it would also be interesting to see Toko with a Patronus that can change itself. So like a like what's Ooh, like the like a shape shifting Patronus? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a chameleon. Yes, yes, that's Ooh. what I was trying to think of. Yeah. Cuz like then it's not changing but it can. It's like Toko. Well, okay, that might be a debate. <laughs> if they're like two different people but like you know what I mean like yeah, yeah. I just think that could be also pretty cool that's really cool yeah all right everybody we are gonna take a quick break but before we do make sure you check out our patreon we have a bunch of awesome perks for y'all there including book club with yours truly it's very fun we're reading children of blood and bone this month it's gonna be a good time um, make sure you check us out. We're Ultra Hope Girls on basically all social media platforms. And if you want to learn more about us, about our podcast, check us out at ultrahopegirls.com. We'll be right back after the break. Hello, everybody, and welcome back from our break. We're going to move into some listener questions, which we got on Anchor, some voice questions. You're going to get to hear some listener voices. All right. So our first question is a question from Jamie. Hi, I'm really interested in your podcast. And I wanted to ask, would you ever be interested in in interviewing the cast of Walter Spurgirls? Because your overall theme seems so close to theirs with your name being Ultra Hope Girls. With that said, if you could, who would you, in particular, love to have an interview with? Apart from Jason, because we all know that he's obviously OG. Um, My answer is yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, all of them. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we have interviewed Amanda Celine Miller. So we've got Toko, Shirakuma, and Byakuya in there. Um, and then we have one surprise character from Ultra Despair Girls that has not yet been released that you guys will just have to wait and see. Um, yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, personally, if I had to pick one person to interview, it would probably be Michelle Ruff, who voices uh, Jotaro. He's just like, I have a soft spot for him. So that would be, that would be really fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know Matthew Mercer is a voice in that game and he is like a huge, hugely famous voice actor. So I don't know if we're going to get him to (laughs) come on our podcast, but I mean, that would be awesome because he has been in like everything. Yeah, that's real. And I was going to say also like, the voice actress who plays Nagisa, and I know she also plays Maki um, in yes. V3. I really, like, lo- like, I feel like vocally she fits types that I would play. And so that's kind of why I want to want to vibe with her. Like, yeah, because it's, like, kind of cool to talk to people who are in your voice type. So I kind of, I'm there. I'm there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Up next, we have a question from Muna. Hi, it's Muna, and I'm a really, really big fan of your podcast. I would like to ask you guys, once you get to Chapter 5 or 6 and Trigger Happy Havoc, what execution 
really impacted you the most and made and was super memorable for you. Because for me, even though he ultimately didn't die, I felt Makoto's was memorable because it was all it was was him being sent backwards into his death very slowly. I felt the dread myself, even though he was the protagonist and it was also for a case where he didn't actually commit the crime. I, I felt, I honestly was surprised with when Alter Ego got him out because I felt the dread of him being sent to his imminent doom. Like, it, it very much emotionally impacted me. What about you guys? I'd like to know what your thoughts are and what executions impacted you. Great. Good question. Great that is question. a good one. And I agree with the dread aspect of that, of Makoto's execution and Kyoko's, I guess, if you get the bad ending, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have an answer, but I also, I, I have two answers. So I don't want to you go first because I could say something about a different execution too. I can, I can go. Uh, Muna, I actually agree with you. Um, Makoto's execution was, I think, the one that I felt the most despair during. Um, like, I remember watching that and I, I had to turn the game off after that. Um, even though he was saved, it gave me a lot of just like dread. It was like, for everyone else, they committed murders. And that's not saying that the death penalty is okay. Um, you know, people have different opinions on that. I don't love it. But for him, it's like you said, um, we know he's innocent. And yeah. so it felt a little bit more painful to watch like the rules of the game getting broken for me. So yeah, absolutely. I'm on the same page. For me, it was actually execution numero uno, Leon's execution, the very first one. Actually, that made the biggest impact on me. I was so shook after that execution. Like, I literally, and because it's the first one in the game, they want to get it right off the bat, really get you into it and really, like, shock you and make you feel the despair and be like, oh, wow, this is, like, a serious, like, bad thing, you know, <laughs> like... Yeah, that's definitely the intention I think that they had right off the bat, and it absolutely carried over. I mean, I just the brutality, the sheer brutality of Leon's execution got to me a lot. And and the other thing that I think was was different about his execution compared to all the rest in the game was that he was the only one who was like pleading for his life. Like before he got executed, he was literally like crying like oh my god please don't do this like please don't do this and he had to be like dragged away like kicking and screaming with a chain around his neck you know and like was just like fighting to the end and that is so hard to watch versus like mondo and celeste who go into it with a little more stoicism like keeping their composure like they're like i know i've lost i know this is what has to happen then there's the alter ego execution and there's like kyoko slash makoto who is is different and um and junko at the end but nobody compares to leon's level of level of sheer distress like and pleading for his life before that happens and so all of that just added up to be a really emotionally a really emotionally challenging experience for me <laughs> yeah Mine, okay, so actually I'm glad because no one took my answer. Um, nice. Mine is Celeste because I'm somebody who, like, I get very emotionally attached to characters and she was one that I, right off the bat, have always just loved Celeste as a character, um, even though she's not perfect. But there's something about her execution. One, the art in it is just so symbolic and lovely to look at, which is, like, kind of messed up. But, like, you know, artistically it's lovely. And also... There's something about a character who doesn't express their emotions and you can see them sweating and the fear in their eyes when they're 
being burned alive because even though she has a smile on her face the whole time you can tell that deep down it she is a very 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 afraid and yeah so that that's my favorite my favorite also like most impactful for me yeah for sure and what was the second one you were gonna say leon for the same reasons you did oh yeah nice yeah they're all good but like yeah i think i don't know i liked your guys' answers (laughs) up next we have a question from cameron Hi, I'm Cameron, and let me just say, I love y'all podcast, and y'all inspired me to make my own Danganronpa podcast, so keep up the amazing work. Also, I agree with Makoto being in Hufflepuff, not only because of his loyalty towards everyone throughout the first game, but also the fact that I sort Kamaru into Hufflepuff also, and I think it would be really cute to see both of the Nyegis and Hufflepuff together. So, bye. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely talk more about Kamaru when we get to Ultra Despair Girls, but I do think that would be cute to have them together, for sure. Oh, yeah. It'd be like a Weasley situation. It would. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like our Hogwarts episode really hit hard with a lot of people. Really hit the nail, man. I'm, I'm glad they liked it. Here is a question from Emily. This is our last audio question. Hi, I'm Emily digging the podcast so far i think it does add a lot to the community you guys are clearly having fun and it's a lot of fun to listen as well also it's cool to be able to send in questions so um something i'm curious to hear your thoughts about is that we talk about the characters personalities a lot Obviously, they're teenagers in a totally crazy, stressful situation, and they're probably not acting the same way as they usually would. So, do you think if we saw some daily life versions of the characters, it would be much different? Or, does seeing them under this kind of pressure actually reveal more about their true selves? Also, is Trigger Happy Havoc your favorite dog and rumpa game? Okay, thanks. Bye! <laughs> Thank you, Emily. Emily is actually a a friend of mine from college. So very excited to get a question from you. Um, yeah, I definitely think that the uh, students would act differently if they were not in the killing game situation, especially coming from from psychology and what I've learned. And people can totally disagree with me on this. Even some psychologists, depending on their specialty, might disagree with this. But I don't really believe that there is, like, a true self, per se, that is, like, there and persists in all situations, like, regardless of anything and is, like, truer than however... You know what I mean? I think it's, like, we behave differently in different situations. And we are so much a product of the situations that we're in that that can, you know fluctuate and like certain characteristics in our personality and our behavior change and I think that because of that it absolutely they absolutely would act different in my opinion if it wasn't in the killing game but I don't know if that necessarily means that one version would be their true selves and one version wouldn't be because I don't know if I necessarily believe in the existence of a true self but I really like that question it's very interesting and to answer the second question no, actually, Trigger Happy Havoc is not my favorite out of all the games. The second one, Goodbye Despair, actually is. But we'll get to that later on in the podcast, so stay tuned for that. 
Yeah, I had a pretty similar answer to you, Maddie. Um, I think that every personality you show is a bit of your true self, if you want to say that, or that there is none at all. Um, because even if you're creating a false persona, I think that falsity is part of your true self. Um, mm. You know, like if you're looking at Celeste, maybe. So yeah, so I'm I'm with you there, Maddie. Um, and then for me, right now, yes, Trigger Happy Havoc is my favorite game. I am very excited to play the other two again to see if that stays true. But definitely for for at least for now, it is. I think the interesting thing about this question also is that there are two years of cognitive development that have been erased from their memories. So the version of themselves in the game is the version of themselves from two years ago. So in daily life, they would be different because they would be learning and growing because they're still young and teenagers. So it's like, obviously it's different. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. Like I think that the killing game in a way also though, the way they react to the killing game is a testament to their integrity and their personality. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like, true personality i don't know if i think that's a thing but i hmm. <laughs> but i, I think, think that I, mm. <laughs> I think that how they react to the killing game is rooted in their core personality maybe yeah yeah, yeah. i can yeah. get behind that yeah oh and, and trigger then... happy havoc <laughs> is also my favorite game i'm with marin but again i'm kind of excited because i have a feeling that might change I don't know. I mean, but I, I, the, yeah, there's something about the, the third, or sorry, there's something about the first game that feels more grounded to me and more relatable because the circumstances are crazy, but they're not too far from a reality that could be possible, you know, and, and the characters are more, more relatable. All right. So we got a bunch of questions from the account on Amino called Yumi Simps for Pocket. Um, so thank you for submitting those questions. We really appreciate it. Um, and now we will answer them. Okay. So the first question that they asked was, if you could change anything in the Danganronpa games story-wise, what would it be? That's a really good question. It is. I actually have an answer. I think that I would change um, how, like how the queer community in the game is represented like I think that I would have in the writing made it more clear whether or not Chihiro struggles with his gender identity or is a boy who just wants to dress more femininely which is grand and valid you know because the game itself you know I, I would debate that I think that the evidence supports that he dressed femininely for you know being insecure about himself versus like but that's just my, you know, my interpretation of the text that's there. Um, but I, I wish that they had been more explicit or maybe had some trans representation out in these games. That would be awesome. And if, if we didn't have to debate whether or not this character is transgender, that it could just be. And that's how it how it'd be. Um, and then also Hina and Sakura, that's is one I've talked about before. Mm -hmm. But just like having that be a relationship that is established, like Kyoko and Makoto, yeah. I agree. I was going to say Sakura and Hina, make it canon. <laughs> that was going to be my answer. Because it's like almost canon, right? Like it's so close to being canon, but it's yeah. like not. And it's just, uh want them to be in love. And uh, yeah. <laughs> For me, my first thought was that I wished that some of these survivors would have been different but I kind of am going back on that because I think one of the things that the game does really well is that it reminds us with who they pick as survivors 
um, that being good or being interesting doesn't equate to a greater chance of surviving and bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And that reality, I think, is very needed in games, you know, like to have like people who are quote unquote good go through bad things. I think that's really, it adds a deeper message. And so nothing, I guess, is technically my answer since I went back on that. But I do like your guys's actually, I'm going to jump on board those trains. Another thing I really wished that we could have gotten more of is Mukuro, like as herself, Mukuro as herself. I really wish that we had a chance to meet Mukuro as Mukuro, you know, like that I feel like was just, I, I felt like we were missing out so much and I just wish that we could have had her be involved agreed all right our next question from them is what is something in the series that we really enjoy or appreciate that we think people don't talk about that much I can go for me I think that it is pretty incredible that this game is designed with 2d characters in a 3d setting um somehow they made that aesthetically pleasing and that is a challenge like I I don't know sometimes I'll just look at the character sprites and be like this is a flat person but I'm not <laughs> mad about it <laughs> so yeah so I just uh, want to give a shout out to the, the artist of Danganronpa for making That's that awesome. well yeah my answer I, would be oh. the music in the game oh so, so good. good and it's so good at building tension at the right moments and then being happy when it's happy and being really sad when it's sad. And especially as the games progress, in my opinion, the music just slaps even harder every time. And it's, it's a good time. <laughs> okay. Um, yep. That, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm done. Um, we can leave that as a little Easter egg. I actually, I, I, Marin, I was kind of going to riff off of what you said about like how they don't make it predictable who's going to survive because it could literally be anyone's game because they don't, it's not obvious. I think that they did a really good job like keeping me on my toes of like who would die next. Like I couldn't just predict who's going to die based on looking at all the characters in the lineup. All right. Up next, the next question we have from them is, um, what is your favorite trial overall? I talked about this a little bit during this case analysis, but um, I mean, honestly, I kind of have to blend them into one, but five and six, I think might be my favorite trial or my favorite like case that is, I guess, addressed in two trials. And I would say focusing on the case with Mukuro's body, not necessarily all the aftermath that comes in Trial 6, because um, that's like kind of wrapping up the game, the conclusion, the plot, whatnot. But I thought that case was really, really interesting. And I thought the um, decision you have to make about trusting Kyoko versus not trusting Kyoko is a really interesting and pivotal moment in that trial. And it was like the perfect balance of me being really confused versus me being like, oh, wait, I think I'm onto something. And then having like, you know, figuring that out. And it was very interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think my favorite, actually, and this has changed since I played through the game um, a second time, but I think my favorite is the second um, trial because I think that there's just, I mean, okay, I'm kind of going a little back on what I said about wishing there was more trans representation, but that's like a kind of a separate problem. Looking at this case for what is like written in the game, I think that there is a lot to unpack about gender in that 
case. And I think it's an interesting conversation that in 2010 there, it, you know, when this game came out, there is a conversation about toxic masculinity, which is a topic that should also be discussed in our, in our society. Um, and I think that I really loved that. I loved, um, I've, I, the twists and turns worked for me. I don't know if they work for you guys, but I, I really liked them. And I think that this case is very, it's very good. Um, and I, cause I think that they, it's like a two step, it's like Biakia messed up the crime scene and then also Genocide Jack enters. And also like, you know, then it's Mondo and it's not Biakia. For me, um, it would probably be either case four, case five. I think case four, probably. I like the psychological aspect of like case five where you have to pick, but like, I think case four would probably be my top one because I really enjoyed that the creators didn't limit themselves on how they were presenting these cases. This case to me told me that they were willing to do anything in future games, future cases, all of that. Um, Because like in the other cases, it was that the cause of death changed, you know, like, I mean, you get hit on the head or I'm trying to think uh, like, Junko was stabbed, the cause of death changes, but in this one, the manner of death changes. Um, Little criminalistics fact for you, but manner of death is like um, homicide, suicide, accidental, or I think unknown is the other one, like pending. Um, And so they they went outside of homicide for a case. And I appreciated that because they're not limiting themselves. When you limit yourself in writing, that's when you become a weak creator and so like I really loved that they did that and so I think case four would do that for me all right up next our question is what um would you consider the best free time events to be that's so hard I have to be real I don't know how to pick because best Like, I could say the Diet Coke free time event with Hifumi is funny <laughs> and just exactly what I'd expect. But that, I don't know. I think I'd pick Toko, actually, yeah. because we created an entire episode that had a lot of that content in there, and we didn't do that for anyone else. So I'd probably pick Toko's. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I will also say, after playing Mondo's free time events, I had a newfound appreciation for him because his free time events are very funny, but then they also get, like, really deep. I'm with Marin. Toko's my favorite, and Genocide Jack. I think that she's just such an interesting character that also, like, especially, like, I think she needs that, those free time events for people to, like, really get to know her as the character. I, I think that, unfortunately, through the, the game, she kind of gets a little bit of the short end of the stick with character development. Toko herself, not Genocide Jack, just Toko as a human, so... All right. Last but not least, our last question is, what are some opinions you have about Trigger Happy Havoc that might be controversial or unpopular? Caroline, you want to kick us off? <laughs> yeah, I have. I mean, I, I think I've already talked about the fact that a lot of people have the the canon that, you know, that Chihiro is trans, and I, I don't have that. I have I ship token Biakia. <laughs> um so that's very unpopular I think that yeah th- those are the two that initially come to mind um I also this is what I want to talk about I don't like Sayaka a lot of people really like Sayaka and I'm not a huge fan of Sayaka and that is one you know I I, I just I, I've talked about this before but I don't love like 
the role she kind of plays in it like she's supposed to be like the cutesy girl he's like i'm a pop sensation oh protagonist love me and then like she tries to murder him like i just i don't like her she's mean (laughs) yeah i'm i'm with you your first two the chihiro and the tokobyakuya i'm there um for sure i think sayaka I think I get why people like her because she is that cutesy character and that's a very popular trope. I personally don't get anything out of it, kind of, which is I think exactly what you're saying is that that doesn't add anything to my life at all. I think the fact that she tries to murder him is the most interesting thing about her. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so I get that uh, for sure. I think my most controversial opinion might be like the ethics discussion we had in chapter six. I don't feel like a lot of people would agree with me there. And if you want to hear my opinions on that, listen to that episode because I don't need to repeat them again. But yes, (laughs) um, that would probably be pretty controversial. Oh, I have one that I, I just thought of. I am also not a huge fan of Junko as a villain. Mm. Yeah, I I know that like that a lot of people really love her and like when we were talking to Amanda Amanda Celine Miller I was like so excited to meet Toko but I was like not that excited to talk to Junko because I was kind of like meh about her as a character. Um so yeah, that that's another one that I think um yeah. I have a couple. One of them is that Trigger Happy Havoc out of the three main murder mystery Danganronpa games like not including Ultra Despair Girls although Ultra Despair Girls is definitely not my favorite out of four either. Out of the three main Danganronpa games, Trigger Happy Havoc is actually probably my least favorite. And that is probably an (laughs) unpopular opinion or like fairly controversial. I mean, I just feel like it doesn't do it for me as much in regards to the murders. I feel like in later games, they get a little bit more interesting, a little bit more complex. Um, And I also as far as the cast of characters go, this one isn't my favorite overall. I mean, there are characters in this game that I absolutely love, but overall, like in total, it's it's not my favorite cast of characters, I will say. Kind of echoing what you said, Caroline, about Chihiro. Yeah, I, so when I first played through the game, until I had like seen a lot of what the Tumblr community had to say about Chihiro, I never really thought of Chihiro as trans. It's not that I was against Chihiro being trans. I'm not at all. In fact, I think that's that would be awesome. Obviously, having a canon transgender character, I think, would be just a huge step forward for games like this. Um, but I never had, I just, it never really occurred to me that way about, to think about Chihiro in that way. And like I said, I'm totally, I, I'm totally down for the headcanon that Chihiro is a trans girl. And if you see Chihiro as a trans girl, then I think she is an awesome character. If you see Chihiro as a boy, I think he's an awesome character, you know. But I also feel like there is something to be said for the value in having a male character who has a lot of feminine traits. Because I feel like that is also like um, a statement too and a powerful one. And I think that it, you know, we. I don't want to necessarily always look at like a feminine character and be like, oh, this character must be a girl. Masculine characters like, oh, this character must be a guy. Because I think that, um, yeah, I think having Chihiro be trans would be like an awesome thing. But I also think it's awesome to have Chihiro as a guy who has a lot of feminine traits, who's, you know, shy, maybe a little more timid, a little more sensitive, um, dresses more femininely. 
but it is still a man, you know, like it's still a guy. And I think that that's really valid. And I think that is also a good kind of representation of that. Not every man is like, Oh yes. Like and not every man is Mondo, you know, not every man is like that and that's okay. And I think that that is also a good, good thing. So whichever way you headcanon Chihiro, I think it's kind of a win-win situation and however you see Chihiro that it's definitely challenging the gender binary and gender assumptions. I think it would be, um, I'd be interested to hear if we have um, any trans listeners who have personal opinions about Chihiro that they feel strongly about. I'd be very interested to hear what they would have to say and if their own experiences, like their own personal experiences with their gender, if they think they feel like that mirrors Chihiro's experiences or whether they feel like it is something very, very different. Because I um, all three of us here at the Ultra Hope Girls, this, none of yeah. us are trans, so we can't speak to that. And so, um, yeah, I'd be very interested in hearing what um, what our listeners might have to say about that. All right. So now we're going to give a little bit of a shout out to our amazing patrons who have just made this whole podcast really possible for us to to do so we just want to thank you guys so so much by just giving y'all a little bit of a shout out here so uh we just want to thank john sam zach levi henry sanke adam tyler peter pumpkin nathan and darren thank you all so 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 much it has just been lovely getting to befriend all of you and have you all as part of part of the group all right, guys, for our final wed bed behead of season one, we are doing the ultimate wed bed behead, where we are going to pick our ultimate wed, our ultimate bed, and our ultimate behead. Um, so all of the characters from Trigger Happy Havoc are up for grabs, and Caroline's going to start us off. I am, I guess. All right. So <laughs> I will start with who I will behead, and who I will behead is probably going to be kind of a surprise, maybe, because it's not Hifumi. It is um, Leon, because I think that Hifumi is the victim, and Leon, I feel bad, like, but I think that out of, between him and Hifumi, I would be hit Leon. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I kind of, I gotta say, I had a conversation with my dad about Hifumi, and he kind of was like, you guys really bash on that poor guy, like, he's annoying, but like, he's not that bad. And I was like, you're right. Like, we're so mean to him. <laughs> and so I kind of wanted to give him a win. So I didn't be at him. <laughs> um, and then yeah. I think I would bet Byakuya Tagami. Um, he is beautiful and I love him very much. But realistically, I think that I could not marry him long term. Maybe I could, but I would rather have like a loving and committed relationship. And I think that I would wed Hina because I think that she is would be a really good partner for me because she's very supportive and loving and driven in her own way and yeah she's like the kind of girl like if I was in a bar we were vibing and she was there I'd be like hey Hina you're cute let's hang out and chat and and we would hang out and chat and it'd be really cute so yeah I okay I'm sorry. I chose to behead Hifumi again. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's just my least favorite character in the game. And I just, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Literally, though, yeah, we bash on Hifumi a lot. I was like, maybe we are a little harsh. But hey, we did give him a little bit of props in the Toko character analysis episode where we talked about some parallels between him and Toko, which are interesting. I would actually 
I think I would bed Kyoko and wed Sakura. Um, I I think that is what I would do because (laughs) I, yeah, I I think that, um, yeah, Sakura's just great. I mean, like she, like you guys said, and, and, you know, going way back to Bestie Picks of Waifu, like she would just be endlessly supportive and I, yeah, we just vibe. And like Kyoko, I love Kyoko. I love her a lot, but a long-term relationship might not work out because we are, we, I think she and I have some similar flaws. And so, you know, in that we can be closed off with our emotions. We can bottle things up sometimes. We can, you know, that kind of thing. And so uh, that's why I chose, I would, I would bed Kyoko. I was originally thinking I'd wed Kyoko, but don't know if that would work, so I'll beg Kyoko and wed Sakura, my, my wife too. <laughs> All right, for me, um, I actually have the same behead as Caroline. Um, yeah, I was like what? between Leon and Hifumi, and I was like, I don't know, Hifumi made me laugh like a couple times, and Leon never did that, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, so I'm beheading Leon. Um, I would wed Byakuya because I would just love that life. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think I think I could handle it. Yeah, that would just be the dream. And then I would bed, I think I would bed Taka. Surprise. Um, <laughs> I was kind of between him and Mondo, actually. Um, so all the Taka Mondo ship fans are... <laughs> screaming somewhere um but yeah I just I don't know talk is pretty great and I think I would pick Mondo except he does have those rage problems so you know you got to go for the good moral boy yeah <laughs> he would like build a bed for me he would build me a bed yeah <laughs> so um all right guys that wraps up our last episode of season one we are so so glad that you're here and listening um and thank you so much for sending in questions if you did um if you are interested in even more trigger happy havoc content um please consider becoming a patron the lowest amount you can donate per month is two dollars and we would love to see you there get to talk to you more and um yeah answer any questions that you have that didn't get answered today Don't forget to follow us on all social media. We have Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Amino. We are Ultra Hope Girls podcast pretty much everywhere. You can tweet at us. You can send us messages. You can um, join our private Facebook group. And uh, we would love to see you there. And make sure you check us out on our website, ultrahopegirls.com. We will be there to answer your questions, check out what episodes are coming up and all that jazz, and leave us a voice message on anchor.fm. We love, love, love to hear your voices. It always makes our day. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and have a great day. Bye! Bye! Bye.